through 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. Welcome. It's good to have you, each one of you here this morning. We have entered into a study of the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. And we're looking at verses 9 through 14 this morning. Titled this, Praying for Others, or Intercessory Prayer, when we pray for others. How do you pray? Today we'll see how you pray for other believers, other Christians, others who are in Christ. First, we'll look at praying without ceasing, And then we'll ask, what for? What do we pray for other believers without ceasing? And it's to be filled with the knowledge of God, the knowing of his will, to be filled with this knowledge that increases and transforms us. So this knowledge is a spiritual knowledge, a spiritual wisdom and understanding, and then we'll close with a joyful giving of thanks to the Father, which is where this passage concludes. So first, unceasing prayer. Paul is praying unceasingly for others who have become Christians. I want to take us back to last week where we covered the verses, especially three through five, where Paul began and opened this up in prayer said, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We always give thanks to God. He opens up this prayer as we pray for you. And we looked at that, that faith that they had, the love that they were displaying and showing, and the hope that they had, that hope that was the anchor of, of all that they did. And so Paul's now saying, we... So there he was saying, we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So you pray for people to be saved, right? You pray for the lost to come to know Jesus. That's that opening prayer. But what Paul's doing here is he's shifting now and he's saying, you all are Christians. I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. I've heard of your love for all the saints. I've heard because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So you're saved. So does that end prayer? You pray and pray for people to get saved and they get saved and you go, whew, okay, I can take that person off my list now. They got saved. 
And Paul's saying that no. He's saying again and he's repeating these verses and he's starting like a new prayer. He's saying, and so from the day we heard, he's starting again from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking. So he's entering into a new type of prayer of not just thanksgiving for them to be saved and that they are saved and in Christ, but now a prayer asking for these believers. And so Paul and his companions are praying in prayer, not just thanking God for bringing salvation in the lives of these Colossian believers, but he's also praying for them to come to this knowledge that he begins to take it. And so as I mentioned here, uh, Paul is saying we pray since we heard. And I just want you to, we're going to focus on the Apostle Paul, that this is his apostolic prayer, but Paul is saying that there's a group praying for this church. And so he's including, of course, in the opening of his letter, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy. So he's including Timothy in the opening of his letter. We are praying since we heard Timothy is there with Paul in this prayer. We know that he's just mentioned Epaphras, this beloved fellow servant. And later on in chapter 4, he's going to say that Epaphras is one of you. He's from Colossae. He's from this church. He brought the gospel to Colossae, and he's praying for them. Epaphras is. And in chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a fellow Colossian, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Paul's joining with Epaphras in praying for this church. So we have this prayer that is unceasing, Paul says, that we're praying from the day we heard, we have not ceased. Unceasing prayer, praying for you, asking. So this is petitionary prayer. It's petitioning God, asking. That's what prayer, the bulk of prayer is. It's coming to God and asking him for Colossians 1.9, have not ceased to pray for you asking. It's like saying, have not ceased to pray for you praying. It's like saying, we have not ceased to ask for you asking. It's synonymous, these, synonymous, these words. So just as he always thanked God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he prayed for them, he's always and unceasingly asking them, asking God, for and on their behalf. Just what is unceasing prayers? It means Paul is praying 24-7. It, it means that every time he thought of the Colossians, thought of the church, entered into a time that he had designated for prayer, he prayed for them. And we're going to get to see what he prayed for them. Okay, that's coming. But first we got to see that it was unceasing. Every time that the Colossians were brought to mind, you know, which is Epaphras was there with them. So he said, hey, we got to pray for the church there. And this is what's going on. This is what's happening. Let's pray for them. This is how they prayed. They're praying unceasingly. Jesus encouraged this. In Luke, in his record of the Lord's Prayer, where the disciples asked Jesus, teach them how to pray. And 
Luke records the Lord's Prayer, uh, similar to, to um, the other Gospels. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, pray this way, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, um, as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. But Luke, after this, gives this story and emphasizes unceasing prayer. He emphasizes after the Lord's prayer, this persistent prayer in this story that he tells. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, <laughs> doesn't sound like a very good friend coming to you at midnight, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. Well, that guy arrived way too late. Maybe he arrived around midnight. Arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and, uh, but, and he will, will answer from within. Do not bother me, he's inside of his house. Doors now shut, my children are in bed with me. Hey, my whole family's asleep. We're, no. Doesn't even get out of bed, just yells at the door. Get out of here. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, this is what Jesus says, using this example. Though he will not get up and give you anything because he is your friend, yet because of his impudence, this is another word for persistence, I ain't going away. He will rise up and get you whatever you need. So Jesus tells that story and then he says, and I tell you, ask. This is pray. Ask in prayer. And it will be given to you. Ask and what this word is, it's in like a, a verb form, a continuous form, and it means ask and keep asking. Unceasing prayer, persistent prayer. This is the kind of prayer that Paul says he's lifting up for the Colossians. Unceasing prayer. Prayer that just doesn't go, hey, I need this. Oh, man, he wouldn't get up. Oh, blah, blah. No, pounding on the door prayer till it opens prayer. Uh, keeping on prayer unceasing every time this need comes up pray for it every time this person comes up pray for them every time it comes into your heart and mind don't worry about them don't stress about them pray for them take it to prayer it's a reminder to pray unceasingly well i've been praying for that for years so pray for more years i've been praying for weeks pray for more weeks pray for more days pray until your last and final breath here. Paul is praying and asking unceasingly. Every time it comes up, every time a need comes up, he prays. This is how we pray for others. When others are on our mind, when others come to us at any time, we can go to prayer. When we go to God in prayer and people come up into our hearts and into our minds and in our thoughts, and we're, we're worried about them, stressed about them, we've heard something about something that's going on, we need to pray. We need to pray for them in these times. Praying for what? Here's what Paul says. He's in prayer asking for that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, I know we've prayed this morning. These are good prayers. These are prayers for our needs. These are prayers for physical health. These are prayers for work, jobs, People, uh, sorrow, grieving, people that have died, uh, all kinds of situations you can pray for. 
but I want us to look at intercessory prayer and asking petition prayer, not just for these, what we might call maintenance prayers, prayers that keep us going, prayers that uh, we have in our, in our daily needs, but Paul's prayer of petition is for asking for to God that this church may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled. First of all, think of a God who fills. This is common language in the Apostle Paul. He's praying with all of his co uh, colleagues. Uh, God, who is the source of knowledge and supplies knowledge with abundance. So he's saying, fill them with the knowledge of your will, God. Fill them. I love this word. Just fill them up, Lord. First Corinthians, he prays uh, this way from the Corinthians in opening uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 5, that in every way you were enriched in him. I like that word. Enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Enriched in him. You just see this being filled, this being enriched. Or to the Philippians, and it is my prayer that your love may abound. I like that word. I like abounding. Abounding love. More and more with knowledge. Okay, he's praying abounding more and more in love with all knowledge and discernment. There's this knowledge of God's will included in this prayer of the Colossians, and it's to be filled, filled, like filled and overflowing, filled from God. God is a God who supplies abundantly. God, you know, Paul and his colleagues are praying for the Colossian church, not just get a little tiny bit of God's will and over, you know. No, he's saying be filled with the knowledge of his will, filled to overflowing, knowing, knowing clearly. I love this, and there's this emphasis on this knowledge of God's will being filled with knowledge in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The emphasis here in the Greek, and I don't know Greek to study Greek, but I read people who do, and they say the emphatic emphasis is on the word spiritual here uh, in the way that the sentence is laid out. That is that the emphasis is this type of wisdom and understanding is not your regular, common, everyday type of worldly knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's spiritual spiritual wisdom and understanding when we look back in the bible all through the bible we see an emphasis on the spirit on a knowledge that comes from the spirit even back when they were building the the tabernacle um, god with moses in exodus 31 god tells moses i have filled him and this him uh, who he is is this character called Bezuel, okay? And that's the best I can pronounce his name, Bezuel. And it says that he was, and God says, I've filled him with the spirit of God. Like there's a spiritual knowledge he's given him, and the spiritual knowledge is ability, in intelligence with knowledge of all craftsmanship. It's interesting, spiritual knowledge can be practical in how it works out. God had blessed Bezalel with this spirit, his spirit, the spirit of God, and the spirit of God with him came this ability, intelligent, with all knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise um, artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, bronze. This guy was talented, and the talent came in the spirit of God. Uh, it, in cutting stones, setting stones, carving wood, uh, to work in every craft 
But it, the important emphasis there is that God was saying, I've equipped him and I've filled him with the Spirit of God. Deuteronomy with Joshua, the same thing. Full of the Spirit of wisdom, Joshua is. Uh, and then the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 11.1, 1, this is one of Rapha's, Rifle's favorite prayers from Isaiah chapter 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, speaking of Jesus, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. So the, the answer to this wisdom and knowledge, the prophet Isaiah is someone's going to come uh, out of the shoot, the stump of Jesse, and from his loins, from him, from Jesse, come forth this one whom the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding so you see that spiritual wisdom and understanding right here you see like paul taking this prayer and praying it for the colossians this that was put upon jesus would be put upon this church at Colossae. the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge it's come spiritually in the fear of the lord so it comes spiritually this is the knowledge that comes from god's spirit and god's spirit alone jesus was the shoot that came forth from jesse and this intercessory prayer of paul and, and his friends for the colossians it matches what was given to jesus the spiritual wisdom and understanding is found in christ colossians 2 in, in verse 2 and 3 is going to say this about jesus the knowledge of god's mystery which is christ and this just simplifies it. The knowledge of God is in Christ. And then verse 3 says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden in Christ. Dig, dig, dig in that field. Dig in the field of Christ alone. Dig in the gospel. Dig deeper into the gospel. Dig deep into Jesus. You don't have to go anywhere else to find the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You know what the Spirit does in you? He digs into Jesus. He testifies of Jesus. He discovers Jesus. Je he reveals Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. And Apostle Paul is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That through the Spirit they would have this. Come on, Colossian Church. You need this. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul on your behalf and his fellow co-workers in christ similarly he prays in ephesians you might remember this prayer in ephesians 1 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him spiritual wisdom and understanding in him he's praying you pray this for people you pray this for believers Pray it for me. I had my nephew ask me. He's a, he's a prayer warrior. His sister was a prayer warrior, still is, and he's a prayer warrior. And uh, he's done missions. He's given his life to the Lord, and he said, send me something. How can I pray for you? And I sent him this scripture particularly, but the Colossians one is a lot the same. I said, pray this for me. He goes, yeah, I know, but what about other personal things? And I said, yeah, things are going all right, but this is what I want you to pray for me. This is what I want. I want the word. I want the scripture. I want God's will in my life, a knowledge of his will. I want a spiritual understanding and discernment and wisdom from God that only comes from him and through the spirit. 
and this will fuel everything in my life. This is what I need. It's okay to ask for the other needs, but do we ask for these things when we pray for others? The, these are first and foremost in the Apostle Paul's mind to say, this is what I'm praying for you for. This is what I'm asking in prayer for you, Colossians. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And he says this in verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So <laughs> we didn't never arrive in the knowledge of God, but we're always increasing in it. We're always bearing fruit in it. Paul's praying that they would be increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's look at that for a moment in verse 10. We're always growing and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are to be always growing and increasing. How does this happen? How do we increase in the knowledge of God, in this spiritual knowledge, the spiritual wisdom and understanding? And we increase in it as we walk in it. We increase in it as we walk in it. Like if God gives you the knowledge of his will, and you don't walk in it, you're going to go back and get that same knowledge of his will until you walk in it. He will, he will never move you forward until you get that knowledge of his will. Then you will increase in it. Or you'll go around and around in the wilderness for 40 years until you get the lesson he is teaching. When you get the lesson, you will increase in wisdom. There'll be another lesson. You will increase in the wisdom of God. Increasing is growing by submitting to his will. So when his will comes and I do it, he's like, okay, good job. Let's move on to the next lesson. And sometimes it takes us a while, right? Well, a righteous man falls seven times, yet he rises again, Proverbs says. So you might fall over and over again. It might take us a long time. God's patient. He's long-suffering. He's slow to anger. He'll stay. He'll walk with you. But he wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What this is saying is, as believers, this isn't to earn your salvation. It's because of your salvation that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work so you are doing good works you are doing good things your light is shining that is your faith can be heard and seen i kind of emphasized that last week we have heard of your faith they could apostle paul could see it and hear about it so he's saying that they increase in this for the purpose of transformation it's an increasing knowledge because it's a transforming knowledge you see the greeks believed in this knowledge this yes you know, this theoretical knowledge, this, you know, this Platonian knowledge, and you just know, just know about everything. Be in the know about everything. Ask the question, got the answer. Got the, you got the facts. You got all the facts, Jack. Okay, you got it all. That was this. This is impressive knowledge. And this is what happened in Colossians. We'll get to that in Colossians 2. There was this great philosophical knowledge that was taking them captive and leading them away from Christ, you see, because it wasn't a knowledge the Hebrews were very much into, uh, the Hebraic even teaching was very much about knowledge was action. Knowledge was doing. Knowledge was not just a heady knowledge, 
but with that knowledge that you got, you're living it out. And that's what the apostle is emphasizing here. So as to walk in a manner worthy. I, I want the kind of knowledge that is spiritual wisdom and discernment that leads you into a walk. It's a walking knowledge. It's a transforming knowledge. It's not just a knowledge that's in your head. It's not just a hearing of the word. It's a doing of the word that spurs you into action. God's knowledge is a knowledge just not just of hearing but of doing. As we obey, more is revealed. This is a, a prayer about conduct. Your living, your walk, your conduct is transformed by this spiritual wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So as to walk in a manner worthy. Therefore, Colossians 2, 6, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. You don't have to walk out of him for some other higher knowledge. As you received him, walk in him. That's the knowledge you need. You need to grow and increase in the knowledge of him. You need to go deeper into the gospel. You don't need to go outside of it. You know, and you don't just need to have this gnosis. These are Greek words. Gnosis, just this knowing about. You need to have this epigenosis. You need to have this spiritual wisdom and knowledge that is living it out. That's the kind of the knowledge that Paul's praying for, this kind of wisdom, this spiritual, this walking in a manner where the increasing, and it should be growing, it should be bearing fruit. It shouldn't just be all in your head, head knowledge. It should be bearing fruit and good works. It should be working its way out. This is the kind of knowledge that the Apostle Paul is interceding in prayer for these Colossians. Give them this, God. Above all things, give them this. Do this in their life. Give them a knowledge of your will, the spiritual wisdom and understanding. But also that you'll walk in a manner worthy, bearing fruit in every good work, doing these things out of this knowing of Jesus that you have. Yes, this is the prayer. And then he says in, in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Okay? Being strengthened. Reichel's talking about this in his prayer, like being tired, you know, being, you know, feeling that kind of just times when we don't feel that strength. But what this word actually means, being strengthened, that's that active um, kind of uh, phrase of that it's continuously happening. Not that you will be strengthened, but it's a present uh, form i'm not real good with english exactly how all the commentary said it but it is basically being strengthened that it's something here's the way to say it continuous steady supply being strengthened there's a continuous steady supply that's what this apostle paul he's he's just making this as a fact being strengthened this is how you're going to do what i just asked for you because you're going to constantly have a steady supply. Okay, that's how the strength of God comes. There's a need here. We're in doubt. Steady supply. Need here. Steady supply. Need here. Steady supply. There's, you're being strengthened constantly from this steady supply with all power and a power that is according to his might, his glorious might, according to his glorious might. So it's not a strength that flows from you it's a strength that flows from him it's his power flowing through you his glorious might i'm reading commentary on colossians from peter t o'brien he's 
if it's O'Brien, I say you're Irish, but uh, O'Brien in his commentary on Colossians, and he's talking about his glorious might and this, this verse of this power and this being strengthened. And he basically says, one, it's nothing less than God's indwelling power that is required. Like you're not going to make it on anything else but his indwelling power. If Rifle just depended upon himself this morning, he wouldn't be here. But he was being strengthened. He was depending on this indwelling power within him that got him up to come. It's, it's his glorious by a power that supply, just like the knowledge is supplied by his spirit, his power is supplied by his might. We're strengthened by God. He is the source. It's his glorious might. The other thing that Peter O'Brien brought out that when uh, the, the Hebrew scholars translated the Pentateuch, the first five books, into uh, Greek, they call it the Septuagint, which means 72 or 70. Basically, it's six Hebrew scholars from all of the 12 tribes, six times 12, 72, the Septuagint. They translated uh, the Hebrew, and they, this, all these scholars working together translated into Greek. And when you take this Greek word, his glorious might, it's mentioned 50 times in the first five books. His glorious might. 50 plus times. His glorious might. <laughs> That's just powerful to me. This is an emphasis on that our supply of being strengthened is not according to ourselves. If it was according to me, I would have fallen flat on my face and given up a long time ago. But I'm being supplied by him. I'm being strengthened by constantly according to his glorious might. It's glorious might. It's a source that is unending. It's a spring that Jesus said would be within you and it would well up in you to new life constantly. So never giving up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let's go again. Don't give up. That's the persistence of the power and the strength that God supplies in us. Don't give up. It's according to his glorious might because it's for something and it's for endurance and patience. And you know what patience is? We know what endure, endure means. It's going to be kind of hard, right? I mean, you don't just endure something that's easy, right? You endurance. You need endurance for a long run. You need endurance for the long haul. You need endurance because you're going to we become weary and you're going to need this glorious might, this being strength, because life as a believer is going to be difficult. Jesus himself told his disciples at the end, uh, right before he's going to the cross in John 16, verse 33, yeah, in, in me you may have peace, but in this world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation. He's like, you're going to need and the Apostle Paul is praying to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance, because you're going to need to endure, and patience. And the, the old King James word is really better than patience. Patience has lost its meaning to a certain degree, but the word is long-suffering. Like you are going to need it for endurance and to suffer long. Well, that doesn't sound happy. I, I'm, getting, I'm getting abundance life, man. I'm health prep and prosperity gospel. You know what I mean? I want all these good things. Yeah, you're going to get suffering. 
because you're going to need prayer because life is going to be hard as a believer. And the Apostle Paul is praying this prayer that you'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience, a long suffering because you are going to suffer as a believer. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is a lie in that you will not suffer. You will suffer. You will have tribulation. You will have hardships. And life will be hard. But you can actually rejoice in your suffering. That's crazy. In Acts 4, they were beaten, told not to speak anymore in Jesus' name. It says they left there rejoicing that they were considered worthy to suffer for his name. They were suffering. And they were rejoicing. Yeah. Suffering for the right thing the right cause suffering for christ suffering for the knowledge of his will and walking into it and not caring what tribulation come may what may you have a spiritual wisdom and understanding from god and you're being constantly supplied with his strength continuous steady flow with all power according to his glorious might not your own for an endurance for a patience a long-suffering this is the petitionary prayer, the Apostle Paul, and there begins this shift. That's his asking for. Now he starts entering. If I had to just end on the petitionary prayer, the intercessory prayer, I would most likely end it there. Maybe I should just end it there because we're already getting pretty far into the sermon. And these next verses are very important because of the amount of time that I spent there. I believe I'm going to wrap it up for the day. You say, as he shifts into this thanksgiving, part of this prayer of what Jesus has done and in whom he's done it in his son, he's going to enter in to this hymn of praise in Colossians 1, 15 through 20 that is all about who Christ is. And it's so beautiful. gospel and good news of Jesus and this intercessory prayer of the Apostle Paul. Are you praying for others? If you do, you can, and you need help in praying for others, we have these. Uh, they both look like, one looks like this. What this has is scriptures on it, and on the back is this Colossians 1, 9-14 prayer. You can take this and pray it for me, pray it for your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, other believers here in the church, for Grace Harvest Church. You can pray this prayer. It's right here. If you want a smaller version, you can read these tiny letters. Here's, we have this in the back. We always have these available because I love prayer and I love praying God's will. And there's no better way of praying God's will than praying his word. When you pray his word, you pray his will. And that's the kind of prayer that God hears and answers so pick up one of these we have them in the back back there by the the tithe and giving box but right now let us come to the lord's table we come to the lord's table in remembrance of jesus but we come to the Lord's table remembering our great salvation that the Father 
has wrought in his son. He has given his son Jesus, and Jesus has come. He's offered his body upon the cross, and he shed his blood upon the cross out of love for us that we might be saved and be in him and be redeemed and forgiven of all of our sins. Amen? So come, grab one of these cups with a cracker below it, and return to your seat, and we will partake of this communion together. Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he gave thanks to the Father, and he told his disciples, his followers, take, take this bread and eat of it, for this is my body, and do this in remembrance of me, let us take of the bread together. like manner he took the cup he said this is my blood the blood of the new covenant the cup of the new covenant given in my blood for the forgiveness and remission of sins take and drink of it and when you do do this in remembrance of me and remember my death until i come let us partake together of the cup Praise you, Father. Praise you for your Son, who is so precious to us. He's the beautifulest name. His name alone is how we are saved. And we thank you, Jesus, for your death, for giving your body upon the cross and shedding your blood upon the cross so that we might be saved just by trusting 
having faith in you and your atoning death with us. We praise you and we thank you. Anoint our hearts to sing your praises, to be thankful that we are in you and that is you, Christ, in and through us. Let us worship you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us sing together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no Oh, my hope is only Jesus. 
give, do two things. One, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, benediction from uh, this prayer in Colossians over you. That's going to be my benediction. And two, I want us to just give thanksgiving to God and praise to him for all that he has done in our glorious salvation. And I want to give thanks for the people around us. Thanks for this worship team. Thanks for the leadership team uh, at Grace Harvest Church. And we can do that by joyfully giving thanksgiving to God with the words of our mouth and clapping our hands. One of the instructions in scripture is clap your hands, all ye peoples, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So let's begin there with thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. Praise you. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you for your glorious might. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you. Here's my prayer. I know some of you are visitors, but this is my prayer for you. I pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. May you bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love one another.